Hey guys, what is up? Welcome. Today we are continuing our series, Bold. And when I think of the word bold, I think about me, Abuelo, my grandfather. With every meal, he added a bold, hot, spicy pepper. I'm talking the pepper that you eat and instantly you start to feel the heat. Your face starts turning red. I mean, he would take his silverware in one hand and instead of a bread roll, he'd grab a pepper. And as he would scoop food onto his fork, he'd push it on with the pepper, take a bite, and then he would turn and take a bite of that pepper. And I was so confused. I wouldn't understand, why does he do this? It looks so painful. Because as he would do that, he would sometimes have to set down the fork and grab his bandana and dab his forehead. There was sweat coming down, face red turning. I mean, it looked intense. It was a very bold way to experience someone eating. And in that same way, if maybe you guys can relate, maybe you've eaten hot food, but just in case, I want you guys to experience this with a couple of us from around here. So go ahead and check out this bold hot pepper eating video. We got first the Hungarian, mm. then the jalapeno. Oh, the classic. And then the habanero. Ooh, the night of trouble pepper. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Right now I'm feeling comfortable. I'm hoping <laughs> you're feeling we, comfortable. Yeah, right. comfortable. How's, how's Maki feeling? I am not comfortable at all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really trust this. Yeah. First one, Hungarian. Okay, this is a big pepper. Does the Lady spiciness first. of this oh, pepper match its size? So <laughs> no, this is the least of the three. Are you sure? Yeah. Or are you yes. just playing a trick on us? No, no. Ready, set, go. <laughs> oh yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Yes. No. <laughs> All right. Maki broke out in the prayer. Number two, the jalapeno. Here we go. Ah, classic. You get it on pizzas. Oh. You find it in a seven-layer dip. Yeah. Oh, oh like you never had it on pizza? I don't. Oh. Think. Never had a roll one. Get so it in tacos. Sure, make sure we get the seeds. Nice and in the middle, guys. Middle. Yeah, I really get the good, good taste. Ready, set, go. <laughs> <laughs> Oh! Wow. It slowly builds. The jalapeno is very gradual. It's like a, it's like a. The jalapeno is like the person who's nice to your face but then talks behind your back. Are we really doing this? Yeah, we are. I'm sad right now. Don't do it your eyes. Don't rub your eyes. It's getting hotter. <laughs> it builds. Ooh. The habanero. Wow, it's getting Ooh. hotter. Habanero. Oh, yeah. <laughs> habanero. Should, we, cheer, ones should we cheers spicy. this one? Yeah, we should. How do we... Yeah, cheers you to our digestive system. Make sure you get some seeds on this. Cheers. 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 Like Ready, set, go. Oh, gosh, mm. I'm not happy already. Mm. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Water, water, water. Where's the Cut, cut. <laughs> Milk. All right. Okay, we're done, right? Okay. Marky, did you throw up? 
are bold, right? And in the same way, we see the way they instantly affected us. And then as we kept dealing with peppers, it affected us more and more and more as time went by. And that there is a truth to that, how peppers affect us. But in the same way today, I'd like to share some other bold truths, some more, more serious ones. And one of those are in the same way that peppers affect us, I think guilt and shame and the hiding of our mistakes, our sin, when we carry those it affects us instantly and then continues to affect us more and more as we carry it. Literally, when we carry guilt, it literally leads us to a higher risk of depression. With guilt, we can build horrible habits trying to, to hide the guilt that we have that we, we start lying more and more, creating tons of habits that can affect us so much more deeply. When we keep sinful things, our mistakes secret, it literally increases the average person's anxiety. Guilt and shame is literally the destroyer of our body. It literally attacks our nervous system. And these are things that whether you're a Christ follower or not, I think we can all relate to. And not only can we relate that it affects us in serious ways, but it also starts to affect people all around us. And we're going to talk about that situation, what guilt and shame can do to us and the people around us. And that's what we're really going to look into today. But first, let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for today. I thank you for this topic of, of bold truth and how the series is teaching us to be more bold in our faith, in our calling, and in our love. God, just please help our minds and our hearts as we hear this message and, and, and help guide my tongue as I try to allow you to work in and through me, delivering what you want us to hear today so we can move closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, someone that was in one of these situations that I'm talking about is David. Maybe some of you guys have heard of David. David is known as picking up some stones and beating Goliath. David would help people that were distraught. Even the king, when he was bothered, he could soothe them by being an ultimate musician. The way he played would literally soothe the king himself. David was was pursued by the king at one time, and God delivered him from death so many times, keeping him out of death, literally when Saul was trying to hunt him down for his life. This is the David that then became the king, that became the warrior to the people, the leader of the people. But that same David had to deal with sin, making a big mistake and carrying guilt and shame. It all started one day when he was on a rooftop lounging. 
Now at this time, they were at war. King, the king's people were at war, and the king should have been at war with them. He should have been alongside them. So the first thing was, David wasn't at the war he should have been at. He was at home on a rooftop lounging around. Now I can relate with that because I feel like sometimes the most trouble I get in is when I should probably be doing something else. And when I choose not to out of laziness or, or to just to get away and procrastinate, that's when a lot of my troubles creep in. Well, in the same way, David is sitting there lounging on the rooftop and he notices a woman on another roof bathing named Bathsheba. And when he sees this woman, he has a chance to turn away. But instead, he turns to his servants and says, bring me that woman. And so Bathsheba comes to David, and David and her have an affair. Now, the thing that was horrible about this was Bathsheba had a husband named Uriah. And Uriah was actually off fighting alongside his brothers in that war that David should have been at. And during that time, Bathsheba got pregnant by David. David starts panicking. He starts feeling, what am I going to do? He starts feeling shame. How do I get out of this situation? How do I cover it up? How can I stay out of the the judgment of it? So what he does is he plans to call Uriah back from war. He lets him come home, and he wants him to go visit with his wife. So then everyone will assume that Uriah and Bathsheba had the child, not Bathsheba and David. So Uriah comes back, and David tries to send him to spend time with his wife. But Uriah, being honorable, says, there's no way I could do that. I can't do that to my other men that have wives and families while they're fighting on the front lines. I'm going to stay here and sleep here instead of being with my wife. And so David's like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? It's not going to work. When she starts to show her pregnancy, they're going to know it wasn't from Uriah. And so David then writes a letter. And he sends this letter with Uriah to give it to the other leaders on the battlefield. And when Uriah gets there and returns to war, he gives the letter, but he did not know that that letter was the letter that appointed him to his death. The letter literally told the leaders to put Uriah on the front lines where it was super dangerous and then pull back so he would die. See, David thought, well, then if he died, he wouldn't have to deal with the confrontation that would have happened if people would have found out that David and Bathsheba were having a child. And so Uriah was killed. David had Uriah killed. And now we're going to go to a point where after this had happened, God goes and speaks to a godly man named Nathan. And that's where we're going to pick up in 2 Samuel 12, 1. It says, and the Lord sent Nathan to David. Whoa. That's a lot, right? I'm like, here we go. We're going in the scripture. And the Lord sent Nathan to David. But that is, I don't want you guys to miss out. This line right here shows us so much. We heard just weeks ago when Barry was talking about our calling that we see here that Nathan was a godly man. He had a relationship with God. And he was sent from the Lord to speak to David. Nathan was sent by the Lord to speak to David. God sent him to go talk to him. And this is a big thing that I can realize that Nathan is getting sent to speak to David about what had happened. And so I want to admit to you, I think that maybe you guys can relate. Right here, I want you guys to start thinking about how we all need a Nathan. We all need a Nathan. And if I can be honest with you, my life, before I I came to, to Christ and started a relationship with him, I made a lot of decisions in my life 
and I didn't have Nathan's. I didn't have godly men speaking into my life. And, and during this time, I think a lot of my habits went a lot longer than they should have had to. I'm, I'm with alcohol, experimenting with drugs, sexual sin. And I'm not talking just a little bit. I was struggling with these temptations. I was struggling with these, these bad decisions. And not only just like how, how even the ridiculous, like the pepper, how it affects us. But in the same way how we talk about guilt and shame, how it doesn't just affect us, it starts to affect others around us. In the same way that there was a day that was, it was life-changing to me because all of a sudden I woke up and it wasn't just about what I was doing, but what I was doing affecting myself was also creating an environment for other people to get affected in negative ways. There were things happening when I was 19, I bought my first house. And because of my lifestyle choices, people were getting affected negatively almost daily in other rooms of my house, uh, leaving my house while intoxicated, falling to, to tons of sin. And what I would have done to have Nathan in my life. And maybe there's something in your life that you're starting to think about right now. Man, I wish I had a Nathan to talk to me about some of the things that I'm struggling with. So let's, let's go back. Let's look at it. So we're going to look at 2 Samuel. says, And the Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said to him, there were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb, which he had bought. And he, bought it, and he brought it up, and it grew up with him and with his children. It used to eat of his morsel and drink from his cup and lie in his arms, and it was like a daughter to him. All right, rich guy has tons of animals, herds. Poor guy has only one lamb, and his family takes this lamb in and loves it. He, I mean, they treat it as one of their own. We see he even shares from the providing of his family, the food and drink he shares with this lamb. And so let's see what happens next. Now there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or heard to prepare it for the guests who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So he had a guest, and he wanted to treat him to a great meal. But selfishly, he didn't take from any of his. He took from that poor man. Man, how, how obvious, how, what a wrongdoing to have so much and take from someone else. I think all of us could relate how this story would upset all of us. That, that's unfair, that's not just, right? So in the same way, let's see how David fe feels after hearing this story. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing. And because he had no pity, Nathan said to David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. And I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms, and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if this were too little, I would add to you as much more. All right, let's unpack that. All right, so David is literally like, that man needs to die. That is wrong. Easy to understand. Then Nathan boldly tells him the truth. You are that man. 
you, you, this is what you did to Uriah. This is what you did to Bathsheba. This, you are the person in the wrong. And then he reminds him all the stuff that, that God has done for him. Through God, David was able to defeat Goliath. David was able to escape death when Saul was hunting him down. David became a, a, a king. And he reminds him that if, if God has given you everything you needed, and if there was even anything else you did need, God would have gave it to you. And yet you still took. Now the big thing I want to make sure we realize here, that even though David is in the wrong, he did listen to Nathan. He heard Nathan out. He let him finish this. And at this time, I, we, we just heard last week with the, the bold love that Maki was talking about how when you go to address a king, there's a lot of different consequences. Sometimes when you upset a king, you could lose your life. Sometimes you could get removed from royalty. You could lose your job. You could be imprisoned. And so Nathan had to come and tell David a bold truth. And so he's listened to God's call and he does it. But also David does listen. Let's see what happens next. So Nathan saying to David, Why have you despised the word of the Lord? To do what is evil in his sight. You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and you have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin, you shall not die. Nathan continues to boldly tell David the truth. I think the thing that we need to see here that I would like all of us, including myself, more and more daily to realize that after we listen, when we have Nathans in our life and then we listen, we need to be prepared to act. We need to act. David notices it, accepts it, and says, I have sinned against the Lord. And because he, he admits it and, and he is ready and we see he repents because of this, he is forgiven. But also when we realize that when we're forgiven from our sin, it doesn't always stop all the consequences from our sin. And so accepting the bold truth can be hard. Hearing the bold truth can be hard. So I want to recap from this story the three things I'd like us to focus on. It is Everyone needs a Nathan. Man, I know I need a Nathan. I admitted to you guys, I, I struggled a lot in the past and I struggle to this day. I need Nathans in my life. And then also, we need to listen. When we have a Nathan in our life, we have to make ourselves available to listen to what our Nathans tell us. And then we need to act from it. Just hearing it, isn't enough. Our actions matter so much that then we change from our ways. We ask for forgiveness and we move forward. But as important it is that we have Nathans in our lives, we also need to make sure that we realize 
Everyone needs to be a Nathan. And, and this, is, this is easier said than done. But as much as we need Nathans, we have to be Nathans for other. We have to be able to share the bold truth. And we see this in Hebrews 3.13. It literally says, but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We are meant to have audacious care, to have bold truth. Conversations with each and every one of our brothers and sisters. It is so important to share the truth. But when doing this, we need to realize in the same way of like baking a cake, right? There's ingredients. If you miss half the ingredients and if you rush it or if you bake it too long, that cake, not many people are going to eat that cake. It's not easy to digest something like that. But right here, Nathan brought it to David in a way he could digest it and he could process it. And because of that, there was this change. So when we are called to tell the bold truth, to be Nathans, to speak into other people's lives, we have to deliver it in a way people can digest it. It is so important that we don't just come with hate and, 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 and wrongful anger. And it's so easy in this world. I mean, look what's going on in this world and how many people just throw fire at each other. If we do that as the church, if we do that as people, we're going to push people away. We need to understand our job isn't to condemn people. Actually, we see it in, in and throughout Scripture. We see God shows us all the time. God prefers, prefers conversion and repentance over condemnation. We're not to throw stones and make people run away further from God. We're meant to help them digest what's going on in their life and, and, and to repent, to want to ask for forgiveness and change from that, moving closer and closer to God. It is so important. It is literally the mission statement of Mile City. Help people move towards God. It is never going to be condemn people and push them away from God. So the way we are Nathan's matters. The way we speak into people's lives matters. And it's, it's sad to say that when I think about the people that will be let into heaven, those same people sometimes aren't even allowed in certain churches these days. And when I say churches, I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about the body of believers. The church is the people. It's sad to think that heaven's letting in people that sometimes we, the church, don't accept ourselves. I think we need to process that. I think it's very important that we process that, why we prepare ourselves to speak into other people's lives. And the best way we can do that to prepare is to process things like that, but also to learn more in our own walks with God. I mean, in the same way we saw Nathan was a godly man. God used Nathan, worked in and through him to speak into David. In the same way, if we take time growing in our relationship and we learn from Jesus, 100% man, 100% God, Jesus left heaven to come down to this messy earth for each and every one of us. God so loved the world, so loved the world. Didn't even kind of love, so loved the world. He sent his son from a beautiful heaven to messy, messy earth. And he didn't just come the way everyone thought. He came as a baby. He came as a servant. And that Jesus shows us how to have conversations with people. He, he told the bold truth to so many people but always delivered it with grace and love. He would deliver the truth to people through their sin and through their problems and, and through, through so many obstacles. And why he would deliver them from that, he would also meet their physical needs with compassion. What would it look like if we, we loved someone 
and met a physical need and had compassion for them while we spoke into their life? What would it be like if we thought and took a little bit of time, a lot of bit of time, and prayed and strategically thought, God, how could you use me to, to share this bold truth with someone before I go up to them instead of just impulsively being upset and yelling at someone? Jesus showed us how to love better, and we can continue to learn to do that. And Jesus also told us that when we do fall short, we are forgiven through grace, just like the people we'll be speaking into are forgiven by that same grace. And so when we go to be Nathan's, because it's so important, I want you to think, are you speaking boldly in a way that conceals grace or reveals grace? When you come to someone that's unchurched, someone that's lost, someone that's unfamiliar with a relationship with God, are you, are you throwing stones at them verbally? Are you aggressively pushing them away from God to where they, they don't even see? They're concealed from the grace that God has for them? Or are you going to show them? Are you going to show them that love and grace and the, the, the redemption that God brings through, yes, some tough love sometimes, some graceful love, some bold truth love. And so if you're here, and, and, and whether you're a new Christ follower or you've been following him for more years alive than you haven't been, if you've been a Christian for 30, 40, 50 years, whoever it is, if you have any guilt, shame, anything that you're hiding, I need you to remember that the gospel is just as much for you today. The forgiveness, the grace is just as much for you today as it was when you started your relationship with God. And maybe for some of you, your next step is to start that relationship for the first time. I want you to know, no matter what you are in the midst of, no matter what you have done, whatever sin, whatever shame, whatever guilt you have, you can let go of that. You can give it to the feet of Jesus and start a relationship with him. And if that is you, I'm, I'm gonna just lead you in a prayer real quick. Just go ahead and repeat these words after me in this prayer. I confess my sins to you. I believe that you, Jesus, are God. Thank you for dying in my place to pay for my sin. Thank you for rising again for me, defeating death. I lower my pride and surrender my life to you. Right now, I receive you, Jesus, into my life. Now, as we, as we all continue to pray, God, we just wanna give thanks. Thank you for designing us not to do life alone, that we can be in relationship with you and in relationship with other brothers and sisters that are pursuing you. And through this design, I pray that we, we, we continue to learn more about you, Jesus. And then we learn the correct way and get better at speaking boldly the truth into each other's lives. God, please continue to guide our minds and hearts daily as we pursue you and the family, the church you designed for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, if you were one of those people that put your trust in Jesus Christ for the first time, if you could just text Mile City to 94,000, we would just like to come alongside of you on this journey and answer any questions you have and talk to you about maybe like what's your next move now? 
So please just send a text there. And also everyone, if you could please remember, it's so important. Everyone needs a Nathan. Everyone needs to be a Nathan. So as we go into this song of worship, if you could reflect and think to yourself, who is it that I should let speak into my life? Who is it that I could trust that's pursuing God to speak into my life and give me counsel? And also, what person can I be a Nathan and speak bold truth into their life with love and grace? With the one who has conquered 